If you've arrived since the start, I'd like to uh, welcome you to the 11.30. It's great to have you guys here. My name is Mark. I have the privilege of serving as a senior pastor. Uh, and I have been away for a week. Steph and I, the kids, have been in the Peak District, which was beautiful. We got back yesterday. And I seem to pick up this uh, souvenir on my face, which is a beard, if you can't see. In fact, someone after the 9.30 said to me, I thought it was the light or something on your face. <laughs> yeah, we call that gray hairs. Yeah. Who knew? I was like, what? That's grey. Anyway, moving on. It is wonderful to be here. And you guys have had some fun. I mean, last week, didn't Wendy do an amazing job speaking on Jehovah? I really enjoyed listening to that during the week. And, and uh, of course, Denise spoke the previous week on Elohim, the almighty creator God. And it was so great just to hear about who God is as he reveals his name. And I have the privilege of looking at another name of God this morning. But I, before I do that, one of the things I did unfortunately miss, Steph and I and the kids last week, was the mural, the tree. And we've got a photo of that. Look at that. Isn't that amazing? These are the handprints of the kids and the adults last Sunday. And you know, this tree was born out of an idea that the youth had about what they wanted to do with Ventureland Kids on the fifth Sunday. And we said, yeah, let's do it. Why? Because it's... it's it's a symbolic, it's in fact, it's more than symbolic, it's a prophetic act about what God is doing in this place, that life is coming, that unity across all the generations in this one place, and I think it's just so wonderful, and we want to thank you for the life, the color in this place, we want to thank you for what you're doing across all the generations in this place, and I pray that this indeed would be a place of unity, this would be a place of unity and of growth spiritually, Lord. So just continue to anoint what you're doing in this place. Amen. And don't worry if you've missed out. Good news. In a couple of weeks, there's going to be another session. The village kids, the younger kids, they're going to be putting their little handprints. That'd be so cute on that. And you guys, if you've missed it, will have an opportunity. If you want to see this, it's upstairs in the corridor between the two buildings. So go and have a look. It really is an amazing piece of work. So uh, what do I get to talk about this morning in the Revealed series? Well, as you know, in the first week, I looked at what's in a name. Uh, and the fact that names really do have a meaning, that was their intention. And I went on the streets of St. Albans with a camera, video camera, and asked people what their names were and what they meant. And it was surprising to see some of the reactions. If you haven't watched that video, you can do so online, but it, is really, it was a lot of good fun. And this week, we're going to look at how God reveals himself in his name, Jehovah Jireh. Jehovah Jireh. Now, what does Jireh mean? I'll give you the punchline up front, and then we'll unpack it together. Jireh means to provide, will provide, will provide. So Jehovah, as Wendy did a great job looking at that last week, the, the personal name of God, the, the great I am, I am, Jehovah will provide. Now, what, when I say that, what kind of picture comes up in your mind? I'll tell you what, what kind of comes to mind when I think of Jehovah Jireh. Some kind of waiter that serves me all my needs from his extensive, wonderful menu. It's true, I do think that sometimes. It's funny enough, as I was preparing this talk, I remembered when I was a boy, my brother and I, David, he's my younger brother, we used to, sometimes mum and dad would take us out on a special occasion to a restaurant. I always loved that because dad would say, son, whatever you would like. And uh, you know what I used to do, it was a bit cheeky, but I used to get my hand and put it over the description of what, and just go down the prices. Uh, oh, I'll have that one. That's the most expensive. <laughs> what is that? Oh, lobster. Oh, no idea what that's like, but I'll have it. <laughs> I know, and it's a kind of a fun thing, but if you think about it, that's a bit like us and our father. You know, our father has endless riches. I mean, I didn't know how much was in my dad's bank account. I just knew that he invited me to the banqueting table and 
hey, it was on him. He provided. And I kind of love that. It, you know, our relationship with our father is like that. He's saying, come, come to the banqueting table. It's on me. It's on me. And while it's absolutely true that God provides all our needs and our good gifts, we miss out on the fullness of who he is and what he has called us to do and the people he has created us to be if we stop there. You know, we said at the start of the series, didn't we, that who he is has profound implications on who we are. Who he is has profound implications for who we are because we become that which we worship. If you worship a stingy God, you become stingy yourself. But equally, when, you, when God reveals his promises to his people, that causes us to respond. And this morning, my conviction is, is that for many of you, it's going to cause you to have to respond in a new way, a new way of thinking, a new way of acting this morning. And that is my prayer. And so what we're going to do this morning is look at, and turn with me, to Genesis 22. And we're going to look at the story of Abraham and offering his son, Isaac. Because this is the place where we see the name Jehovah Jireh. And you can see the whole passage there is um, 22 verse 1 all the way through to 19. But what we're going to do, we're going to read from verses 6 to 14 together. And then we're going to unpack it as we go through. So let us look then at verse 6. It will be on the screen as well. That's Genesis 22 verse 6. And so God had called Abraham to offer his son Isaac up. And this is where we join the story. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father Abraham, Father, yes my son, Abraham replied, the fire and wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham! Abraham! Here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld me from me, your son, your only son. Abraham looked up and there in a thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place the Lord will provide. Now, as Wendy said last week, when you see in the Bible, Lord, written with capital letters, Lord, that means Jehovah, the personal name of God, or Yahweh in Hebrew. The Lord will provide. And if you had a King James version, what you would see here is Jehovah Jireh. And to this day, it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Now, what I want us to do first is look at that word Jireh. Because there's so much meaning in it. You see, I, the Hebrew word of Jireh, which as I said, we translate at will, as will provide, has the Hebrew root word ra'ah, ra'ah, which means to see, to see. 
Now, we see this word three times in this passage, and let's look at two of them. The first one is Genesis 22, then on verse 8. Abraham answered, God, now this God here is Elohim, which we looked at in the first, in two weeks ago, Denise did that. Elohim, the great almighty God, will provide. The root word, ra'ah, to see, the lamb for the burnt offering. So what Abraham is actually saying here is God himself, the great almighty God, will see. And in his seeing, he will see to it. So the word provide means that he will see to it. I love that. We use that phrase sometimes, don't we, when we're out and the bill comes and, oh, he'll see to it. It's the same thing. It's like when I go to the restaurant with my dad or something, you know, like... I kind of, when the waiter comes and, you know, who's going to give the bill to him? I'm like, my dad will see to it, you know. See to it. It's that thing. And you know what I love about this? I just want to pause on this. It's God's provision comes from seeing us. Seeing our needs and seeing to it. God's provision doesn't come from us begging and hoping. He sees, Lord, please just... Stop what you're doing and come and have a look. Look, 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 look. No, God sees it. It doesn't come from us hoping that he gets the picture. It doesn't come from us hoping we can explain it right. No, listen, Lord, I don't think you understand. Let me try and explain it again. Now, it might require us to ask God, but he already knows. And I think for some of us this morning, you may be living with a lie that the almighty God doesn't see you. Let me tell you, he sees you. You might know that he's almighty. Well, God created me and he's good, but now he's busy with somebody else. He doesn't see me. He sees you. He sees you and sees to it. And so the second place we see this word provide, see to it, is in verse 14 at the end. So Abraham called the place Jehovah-Jireh. You know, I love this. Isn't it interesting that when Abraham first talks about God providing, he uses the, the title Elohim, the great almighty. And yet after experiencing the provision, all of a sudden Abraham says, Jehovah. Isn't that amazing? Where before he used the creation name of God, here he uses the relational name of God because he experienced him. I love that. And I think for some of us, as I'm speaking, God is saying, listen, you've got the theory. You know I'm amazing and almighty and big and great. Yes, but I want you to experience me, the great I am, the great Yahweh. And this is what we see here in Abraham. Jehovah, the God, the covenantal God, the God that loves me, sees to it. I think it's amazing. Now let me ask the question, what does Jehovah provide for? I think that's a fair question, isn't it? Let me look at two things. The first one this is this, Jehovah provides for our daily needs. You know, our clothing, our food, all the things we need. You know, if we read in Matthew 6, 25 to 34, it's a wonderful passage. It says, do not worry about what you will wear or what you will eat. Your father knows you need these things. Look at the birds in the air. Look at the trees, look at the, the grass, look, look around you and see how they do not worry. How much more important are you? 
And God absolutely loves to take care of his children. And by the way, we are called to be part of that. We are called to be Jesus' hands and feet. That's why we have a care center to restore dignity and to restore hope to people. To provide for daily needs. You know, as Richard said, we had, I think it was over 60 people at the last breakthrough, and we were in the care center praying for the work that the Lord does there. It is just amazing. But let me tell you this story, it isn't about this type of provision. This story actually focuses on another type of provision from the Lord. You see, if we stop just at my daily needs, we miss out on what he has for us. And that leads, us, leads me on to the second point. Jehovah provides for our steps of faith. That, you see, is what this story is all about. Jehovah, yes, he provides for our daily needs, but he provides for our steps of faith. You see, God is looking for men and women who will step out in faith and change the world for him, to bless others and to make Christ known. You know, we read, don't we, that by Abraham's faith, in verse 18, it says, all the nations were blessed. If he hadn't have stepped out in faith, then the nations would not have been blessed. But you see, we've got to re remember that as we step out in faith, we cannot do it on our own. That's where his provision comes in. The great Jehovah Jireh will provide for that step. You know, God never intended for Isaac to be the sacrifice. He already had it covered. He already see could see it. He already seed to it and saw to it. And see, what we learn in this story, and indeed in the whole of the Bible and church history, is that he provides as we step out in faith to do what seems to be the impossible. He provides as we step out in faith to do what seems to be the impossible. If David hadn't stepped out in faith to fight Goliath, he would never have experienced the provision of the Lord in the way he did, and Israel would not have been blessed in the way they were. If Esther hadn't stepped out in faith to serve the king, then she would never have experienced the provision of the Lord and Israel would not have been saved from the slaughter that was coming. If Jackie Pullinger didn't step out in faith to go and minister to the drug addicts in Hong Kong, she would not have experienced the provision of the Lord and countless and countless of lives would not have been blessed by her faith. Do you see this? It requires us to step out, and as we do, he provides. And you know, it's my conviction this morning that for many of us, we haven't experienced yet the full provision of God because we have yet to step out in faith into the unknown and into a place of utter need for him. I find this a complete challenge because in my world, I have everything I need. I've moved from needs to wants, I'll be honest. And so when I call, say, Jehovah Jireh, I'm like, yeah, great. But God is saying to me, Mark, I need to get you into a place of need if you're going to see me move. And for some of us, we've got so comfortable because our needs are met that we haven't yet experienced Jehovah Jireh in all his fullness. And God is saying, I'm looking for a, a people that will step out in faith into a place of need and experience me in a new way. And that's what happened here with Abraham. And we can learn four things from this story about how we position ourselves for him. The first this is this. Are we ready? Number one, live a life of faith. Hebrews 11.6 says this, Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Did you know that? For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists 
and that he rewards those who seek him. You know, Abraham was a man who had faith and God rewarded him by providing the ram as a sacrifice. And we see at the start of this passage, I just love this, verse 1, when God called Abraham, how did he respond? Here I am. Here I am. That is faith's response, isn't it? Here I am. I'm ready and waiting for you, Lord, to speak. Here I am. You see, if you have faith that he rewards those, provides for those that seek him, then you position yourself in humility and expectancy that he will speak. And that causes us to say, here I am. I don't know about you, but I want to be like Abraham. That when God speaks, I say, here I am. I have faith that you speak, Lord. And I know that when my faith is low, my expectancy drops. And it's almost as if I detune my ear. I don't expect that God's got anything for me or wants me to walk in the promises that he has. But when I get into the word and I read about all the amazing promises that he has for me, my response is, here I am, use me. Lord, if you said you're going to do that through me, then you'll see to it. If that's what you'll say you want me to do, fine, I can't get it covered. My bank balance isn't big enough. But your riches are endless, you'll see to it. And so for for many of us, we need to start by saying, Lord, here I am. I have faith that you exist and that you reward those that earnestly seek you. Philippians 4.19 And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Here I am. You can do whatever you want, Lord, because you've got it covered. You see to it. And that leads me to number two in terms of how we position ourselves that we can learn from Abraham here. It's this, we respond in obedience. You know, here's the thing about faith. True faith will require you to act with faith-filled vision. We looked at that, didn't we, in the position series. I think it was week four, maybe. That we need to respond with eyes of faith, not eyes of fear. And say, Lord, you see to it. You see, in James 2, 14, he says that faith without works is dead. Wow, what a statement. What he's saying is is that true faith in the Lord will always have an outworking. There will always be fruit from faith. Because faith in the Lord will cause you to do good works. To demonstrate his goodness. To make Christ known. To walk in all the things that he has for you. And Abraham had faith here, didn't he? In God. And so when God asked him to sacrifice his son, he said, okay. He obeyed. Let me tell you this morning, if you have faith that God is calling you to something, that he has a plan for you, then there will come a time, I guarantee it, where you are required to move and trust that he will provide. There will come a time where it will require you to obey. It might be praying for someone at work, you feel that nudge. It might be talking to someone about your faith that you meet. It might be an act of kindness towards someone else, seeing someone else's need and being their hands and feet. It might be signing up to serve at the care center. But what I've observed in my own life is that when God prompts me and I need to obey, what stops me obeying, it's not that I don't believe that God exists. It's that I don't believe God will provide for me as I make that step. 
you know, we don't think that God will provide the finances. We think that God won't provide the skills we need or the relationships that's going to be required or the favor that we will need in order to do that which he's called us to do. And so it's our perceived lack. What happens is we look at our own ability to provide and not God. And so we say, no. Nah. We say, here I am, but then God says, okay, great. Go do this. Well, sorry, God, but I can't do it. God's like, I never asked you to provide for yourself. Do you not realize I'm Jehovah Jireh, that I see to it? I've got it covered. You know, I remember um, Steph and I, uh, you know, we used to live in Australia. We've got three kids. And at the time, this is maybe, I don't know, nine years ago, uh, Lucy was about 10 months, could have been 10 years ago. And I was working for Yahoo at the time in Australia, had a great job, executive position, I had my own PA, my own car parking space right on the pier, you know, all of the trappings of an executive lifestyle, big paycheck and big bonus. And all of a sudden, God gave me this business idea, and then he said, uh, I want you to uh, go do this. Now, we had just sold our house, and we had the money in the bank, and we were about to buy a new house. And God said, I want you to put all your money into this new business and go and do it. And uh, Steph and I prayed about it. Lord, this is all of the money we've got. We're going to spend it all on this business idea, but it might not work. We're going to be all in if that's the case, Lord. And look at the lovely job I have and the coffees that get given to me and the lunch that's provided for me, etc., etc. <laughs> it's not going to work. And God said, leave Yahoo and go set this business up. I said, okay. And so we put all of our money. It was about $130,000, US dollar, Australian dollars. And it was only enough to build this online platform. It was a, the business is called Shipping Easy. It enables online businesses to connect their stores to this online platform and then fulfill with DHL or FedEx or whatever it is. And nothing existed at the time. So with my technological hat on, I thought it could be done. So I found a, a development house and we started building it and we launched it. Now when I launched it, I only had about four months left of money to live on. And we're like, Lord, what's going on? You've got to provide. And I'll tell you something, all of a sudden, we got calls from investors and to cut a long story short, we raised a few million dollars. And last year, two, sorry, 2016, we sold Shipping Easy to a large NASDAQ-listed company in the U.S. We moved it to the U.S. And you know that business blessed countless, over hundreds and hundreds of thousands of small businesses rely on Shipping Easy for their livelihoods. And their staff teams, and it pays their mortgages and their bills. And I haven't got time to give you the, the detail of it, but it wasn't easy, but it required Steph and I to obey and say, okay. And we never had lack. There were months we were like, I don't know if we're going to be paid the next month. But God provided. Why? God saw to it. In the flesh, I was like, this is crazy. I'm not going to do this. I've got faith, Lord, but not for this. <laughs> and for some of you this morning, let me just say this. God has got something amazing, an amazing journey for you. All he's requiring is you to look at him as Jehovah Jireh and say, you'll see to it. You know, Charles Spurgeon, the great Victorian pastor and preacher, said this on obedience. I preached to you at this time. Obedience. Absolute obedience to the Lord God. But I preached the obedience of a child, not the obedience of a slave. The obedience of love, not of terror. The obedience of faith, not of dread, I shall urge you, as God shall help me, in order that you may come at this obedience, that you should seek after stronger faith, for by faith 
Abraham obeyed. Some of you are going to experience a new and amazing provision as you step out in faith and say, okay, you'll see to it. You'll get the bill. Number three, are you ready for this one? We need to be willing to sacrifice. God's provision oftentimes comes in response to sacrificing what we have, giving it all up for him. Now let's understand this story. God had promised Abraham that his descendants would be as vast as the stars in the sky. And yet here God was asking Abraham to sacrifice his only son. Well, that doesn't make sense, Lord. You promised that I would have descendants as numerous as the stars, and yet here you are asking me to sacrifice my one and only son. It doesn't make sense. Let me tell you, oftentimes God will ask you to do something. It doesn't make sense. But he has a plan. His ways are higher than our ways. You know, I was reading this great story, this book. Rhys Howells, he's Welsh, of course. You can tell by my wonderful accent. Rhys Howells. And uh, he was in the uh, early 20th century, around the time of the Welsh Revival. And it is just, you read this story, it's just amazing. There was a time, uh, well, in fact, God had taught Rhys about how to abide in the vine. And, and one day, God challenged Rhys and said, listen, I want you to stop being a manager of your money and start being a steward of your money. And God said, I'm going to tell you how you spend my money, all of it. And he battled with the Lord. He said, okay, fair enough. And then God said, right, I want you to give all your money to this particular family. He said, well, Lord, if I do that, I'm not going to have any money left to give to this need and that mission that I spawned. And he, God said, do it. He said, okay, I'll do it. A few days later, he needed two pounds to be able to give to this particular mission. The very morning, he gets a letter from a friend with two pounds in it. There are countless stories of this. It didn't make sense to Reese to give all his money away because he would need it for something else. But God's like, I got it covered. I'll see to it. And, you know, George Mueller, another wonderful Victorian guy who changed the face of Britain for orphans in this country by setting up the first orphanages. You read his stories of faith. Man, it's un unbelievable. Jehovah Jireh in full HD. I mean, he, he really saw to it. Unbelievable. Believable. Do you think that God might be calling us? I get challenged when I read this stuff because I'm like, wow, you've got so much more. I'm comfortable in my need and I'm focusing on my wants, but apparently, Lord, you've got more for me. Man. So let me ask you a question. What is God asking you to give up? It might be reputation, but I can't say that. They'll think I'm silly. God will vindicate you. It might be control. He will lead you into a better way. It might be finances. You know, Malachi 3.10, God says not to withhold the money from the storehouse, the tithes. And he says, the only time in the Bible, God says, test me on this, that I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven. And I think, to be honest with you, some of us are, are lacking finances because I think that, you know, the area that you sow, you reap. And God is saying, don't hold back the tithe from me. You're doing it out of fear. I get it. But give in faith. Because I've got it covered, I will see to it. Test me on this. Test me on this. Lord Jesus, would you open the floodgates? God might be asking you to give up friendships. He is your great reward. It might be perceived freedom. <laughs> Let me tell you, it just, you know, when God said, go, go be the senior pastor, Mark, put your hand up for that. I was like, but Lord, you know, I, I could retire. I'm thinking about freedom, Lord. I can do whatever I want. 
I don't like the idea of annual leave. <laughs> What's that all about? You mean I have to go into an office and there's people that know where I'm doing? Accountability? Oh, Lord, please. You know I don't need that. I've given it up. Why? Because there's more freedom and liberty in him than there'll ever be. And for some of you, I get the sense that maybe you're not willing to commit and sign up because you're like, oh, Lord, but I love my freedom. I like to be able to do this and that when I want. Let me tell you guys, there is no freer being free when you serve others. There really isn't. So what's God asking you to give up before he pours open his provision upon you as you step out in your perceived lack? Let me tell you, you can never outgive God. I've learned that in my life. You can never outgive him. He sees to it. It turns out his bank balance is bigger than your own. <laughs> Number four, are you ready? Look up. Look up. His provision doesn't always fall on our lap. We need to look up. Look up from the difficulty and unto him. You know, in verse 13, what happened? Abraham looked and saw and took the ram. God didn't say, here's the lamb, poof. Oh, look, there's a lamb. Well, that's amazing. Well done. Now, of course, God could have done if he wished. But he was asking Abraham to look up from what he was doing and look unto him. And as he looked up, there was the ram. And for some of us, we are so in the thick of it. We just need to look up out of our circumstances. We look at our lack and we think that we look at God through our lack. But God is saying, look at me through my fullness. Look up. I've got it covered. I'll see to it. I'll see to it. And for some of you, I think this morning, you just need to look up. It might be a conversation that comes with a friend. It might be applying for a grant that you didn't think was worthwhile. It might be any number of things. But God will provide. So let's just give a quick recap then as I invite the band up. What are those four positions? The first one is to live a life of faith. Here I am. Be expectant that God will speak. Be expectant that God has something for you, an amazing plan and purpose. Number two, respond in obedience. Say, okay, it doesn't make sense. I can't figure it out. I haven't got the skills. I haven't got what I need. But I'll say, okay, because you will provide. You will see to it. Number three, be willing to give it up for him. You know, doesn't it say in Matthew 16, Jesus says, go take up your cross. We need to die to ourselves. We need to empty ourselves and let him flow in us. And lastly, look up. Look up and see. But you know, there's more to this story than just that. I said there were a few areas that how Jesus, Jehovah provides for us. Number one, he provides for our daily needs. Number two, he provides as we step out in faith. But number three, Jehovah provides for our rescue from sin and our relationship with him. Verse 14, Abraham says this, On the mountain, Jehovah will see to it. This refers more than just the mountain of Moriah that they were on at the time. It also refers to a hill called Calvary, where God did not spare his only son, but gave him up for us all. All. For of course, this is an event in history, but it was also a prophetic foreshadow of what Yahweh was going to do. Abraham didn't say, he didn't name the hill, Yahweh saw to it. He 
said, Yahweh will see to it. We try to offer our own good works as a sacrifice to God. God says, it isn't enough. Don't do that. I provided the perfect spotless lamb, Jesus. Jesus. And I find it interesting, just as Abraham gave the wood to put on Isaac's back, so Jesus carried the wooden cross on his back up the hill in Calvary. Bore our sins so that we can have a relationship with him. Jehovah sees to all of it. Like to stand. Thank you, Lord. If this morning you have been relying on your good works to get to heaven, let me tell you, God is saying, stop. Put the knife down. Look at my son Jesus. He is the perfect spotless lamb that has died for your sins. Your sacrifice isn't sufficient. I never intended for you to use your good works to get to heaven. If that's you this morning, don't leave this place. My right, your left. Get prayer and say, yes, Lord, I accept the sacrifice of Jesus. I cannot do it on my own. I am a sinful person and I need you to wash me clean. Yes, Lord. You know, we mentioned, Richard mentioned that the first service we forgot to take up the offering and uh, felt that was a real God thing because... What I want us to do now is to take up the offering as we worship, and I want to pray over the baskets. I want, let us test God on this. <laughs> That's what he says in his word. That as you give, that you would receive tenfold, a hundredfold. As you give, the Lord would bless your sacrifice. You know, it says in the word that the area that you sow, you will reap. I pray, I'm going to pray over your bar, these baskets that you would reap a harvest financially. And I know some of you tithe already, you do um, direct debit or stand in order, and I'll pray over that to represent that as well. And so let us now as we worship, take up our offering and sacrifice it all. Don't hold back out of fear. God's bank balance is bigger than your own. But let us give the tithe that God has said. Give the tithe and let us do it out of freedom. Let us do it as, a, as joyful givers, giving back to God which is already his. So let me pray and then we're going to worship. Lord, thank you that you are our great Jehovah Jireh, that you will see to it as we step out in faith into the unknown to do the impossible, to do that which we cannot do on our own, that you provide. So bless us, Lord. Be everything we need, Lord, I pray and more. Let us worship him together. Thank you, Lord.